John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, Hannah. So we're back in John chapter 3, verse 16. I wonder if we could all say it together. If we all say it together, if we build it up on the screen, together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you. Last week, we started our series looking at the first phrase, didn't we? For God so loved the world. And we saw that God's love is so amazing because it's for this world. And it's not just that this world is big, but this world is pretty bad as well. But God's love is so incredible, so amazing. He loves this world even though this world is broken with sin and this world is in darkness. This morning we have to move on to part number two. I want to ask the question, what is love? It's great to say that God loves us so much, but what is love? I guess sometimes love is giving up something to help the person you love. So I don't know about you, but maybe you might give up watching your TV program to help your mommy and daddy cook their dinner. Would you ever do that? That would be a good way to show them that you love them, wouldn't it? Or maybe you give up your toy or your game to share it with your brother or your sister because you want to show them that you love them. Those would be good things to show our love. And you see, the more you love someone then, the more you're going to be willing to give up for them. That that follows, doesn't it? Well, that's where we get to in part number two of John chapter three, verse 16. What if I told you that God gave up the most precious, the most incredible, the most valuable thing that he had? What do you think that might be? Well, the verse tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what God's love looks like. He gave the most precious thing he had. He gave his son to rescue us from our sin. And you see, that's why Jesus got so angry in the temple, because the temple was supposed to be this special place where we could come, uh, where God lived. But when Jesus got there, people had turned God's house into a shop. They turned it into a marketplace, and they made it look like God was actually wanting to take before he was ever going to give. Now, nowadays, we don't come to a temple and maybe we don't buy animals uh, with uh, Dodgy Dave, but we all do still sometimes try to do deals with God. In fact, most of us automatically think like that. We automatically think that we have to give something, we have to do something in order to receive something from God. Perhaps some of us think that our good behavior must mean that we're more important to God because we're better than other people. Maybe some of us think because we come to church, That means that we're God's favorites, more important than other people. Some people even think that because they give money to church, then God will love them more than other people. You see, all those things might be important, but Jesus says we've got it all wrong when we think that we have to earn or do a deal with God or earn our salvation or buy our salvation. That's completely wrong, Jesus says. And just in the last 10 minutes we have, I want to think of two reasons why Jesus makes it clear that that's a big, big mistake. 
Firstly, when we try and earn our salvation or we try and buy our salvation, it actually hides our true need. You see, if we think we can make it on our own or do a deal with God, it actually hides the fact that spiritually we're in desperate need. If we actually realize that sin has broken our relationship with God, we, we saw in the, in the video earlier that the curtain was put up by God to show how serious our sin was. That the, the, the curtain was put up in the center of the temple to, to show that our sin is dangerous and there's nothing we can do about it for ourselves. But if we think that we can just buy our salvation or do a deal, it hides how desperate our true need is. You see, there's, there's different levels of things being broken, isn't there? Sometimes you might have a toy that's broken and you take it to your mom and your dad and maybe, do you know, all it needs is a new battery. And your mom and dad always have a stash of fresh new batteries in the cupboard. They don't have to run out to the shop and get one. They just put it in, and the toy starts to work again. Sometimes the problem can be a bit more serious. In our home, we had a new TV last year. And after about two weeks, an object somehow mysteriously went across the room, hit the TV, and it was broken like this. And we had to go to the shop and spend a lot of money and buy a new TV. That was pretty serious. We couldn't just fix that with a new battery. And serious, sometimes problems can get even more serious. And the problem that we have with sin can't be fixed with money, can't be fixed with new batteries, can't be fixed by going to the hospital, can't be fixed with medicine. It's such a serious problem that we can't fix it ourselves. In fact, it's ridiculous to think that we can. It's only by God's gift to us through Jesus that we have any hope of being rescued from our sin problem. So what do we do then? Well, what the first step that the Bible tells us to take is to admit that we are wrong, to admit that we can't fix it, that we have to admit that God alone is the one who can meet our need and to turn to him, that's what the Bible calls repentance. I wonder if there's older friends here this morning and, and you've yet to realize the extent of the gap between you and God. You've, you've yet to really realize that our greatest need isn't social, it isn't economic, it isn't political, it is spiritual. It's being far from God. It's being in that darkness as John's gospel will talk about. It's being without hope in this world and without hope for the next and so to think that we can do a deal with God and, and maybe we can work something up that he would be happy with, it just hides the depth of our true need. Rather, we must admit that we are wrong, admit that God is right, that we need his gift, his son, as our rescue. So that's the first problem with trying to do a deal with God. The second problem, trying to buy our salvation misunderstands completely what God is like. And you see, this is another thing that got Jesus angry when he was in the temple, because the temple was God's idea. And it was there to show us important lessons about what God is like, to show us who he is. But when Jesus turned up and saw what was going on, we had got God completely wrong. It made it look like God was greedy, that, that God was trying to get what he could before he would give anything back. And Friends, nothing could be further from the truth. So Jesus says in chapter three, verse 16, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what God is really like. He's a generous giver. That's just what he's like. He's given us life. He's given us the breath that we enjoy with every breath, the precious homes we have, the lovely food we enjoy. He is the source of every good gift that we have each and every day. Perhaps you're afraid. If God really knew what you were like, the mistakes you've made or the mistakes you continue to make, you feel like he wouldn't want you. You feel like you have to to work up something before you can come to him. You have to do better. You have to be better before you can come to him. But God didn't wait around. It was while we were still in that darkness, while we were still in sin, it was then that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, because that's just who he is. That's what he's like. And so as we saw in the video, when Jesus died on the cross and there took our sin upon himself, God tore open the curtain. He opened the way that we could go back to him. Jesus was broken on the cross so that we could be saved from the sin that has broken our world as a free gift. God didn't wait for us to bring something before he gave us the most precious thing he possibly could give us. So let me conclude. I'm going to tell you a secret. You'll be really quiet. Secret. Don't want everyone to know this. But, um, you know, at Christmas time, when you go out to the shops, and uh, sometimes people say to our kids, well, have you been good this year? Because, you know, if you haven't been good... There's going to be coal in your stocking. You know, and I'm, I'm going to let you into a secret. I don't know about your family, but in our family, it doesn't matter which year it is, there's always a Christmas present. I've had 34 Christmases, and some of those years I haven't been a really good boy. But there's always a little present every Christmas. And that's because our Christmas presents is us trying to show you what God is like even when we don't deserve it. There's a gift. Because that's what God is like. He gives, he gives, and he's given us the best gift he possibly could because he loves you. And even though we've done naughty things, even though we've done things that are serious and have hurt God, he is offering you a gift to be forgiven, to be saved through the gift that he has given his son, the Lord Jesus. But like every gift that's offered to us, we have to receive it. And to receive the gift that God has offered, that's what the Bible calls faith. Trusting in God, trusting in Jesus Christ, not trusting in ourselves. It's as simple as that. To turn in repentance and to trust in Jesus Christ. To receive the gift. Hey, big people, it's as Simple enough for a child to understand. But it's hard to trust someone who we think wants to wheel and deal with us. But it's not like that with God. He's not here to do deals. He's not here to go tit for tat, to wheel and deal. He is offering you life, salvation, freedom, forgiveness as a gift. He hasn't waited for you. He's taken the first step. Jesus Christ has come, has died, was buried, and has risen again. And he's alive today. And he offers you graciously the gift 
of new life through repentance and faith. We're gonna sing a song in a minute as we close. For many of us, this isn't something that we maybe need to learn for the first time, but it is something we need to remember because we're all too quick to forget it. We will be tempted to get too proud with our, proud with our own self-regard or too low from our own self-pity and because we forget that salvation can't be bought, it can't be earned, it's a gift from God. So we're gonna sing, what gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. God emptied heaven of its most treasured possession in sending Jesus Christ so we can never fall into the trap of thinking that we have to earn or buy or work up our own salvation. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it is Christ and Christ alone um, who is our plea. Uh, the more we learn, the longer we live, the more we recognize the, the depth of our need and the wonder of uh, the gift that you gave. And so we praise you again this morning for the Lord Jesus Christ, for your generosity, for your salvation, for your grace. And we pray that you would part us with your blessing and with your protection. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.